welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm so happy you're with us today. My dear friends, as the days start to brighten during this monumental spring for us, it feels as if my entire life has been building toward the moment that when we can at last begin to free everyone on earth from a completely unnecessary fear of death. Fear of death is the base fear. When you no longer fear death, you no longer fear anything. How do I know that? It's simple. For my entire life, I was terrified of the dark. I was afraid of a lot of things. Even after my two experiences of light, even when I was a good little Christian child, even when I was reading the Bible every night, and no matter how good I was, so many things scared me. Then right out of college, I began to study life after death. And then in 1975, our dear friend, the precious Raymond Moody, published Life After Life. And after that, in the early 1980s, I discovered all those early 20th century communications through physical and deep trance mediums. It took me a couple of years of reading all those wonderful late 19th and early 20th century communications. Every one of those hundreds of communicators was talking about the same process, the same physics, the same details. In every last respect, there were no outliers at all. I say in the fun of dying that it was like reading hundreds of accounts by people who had all been visitors to Fiji over hundreds of maybe 150 years of time. Sometime around the mid-1980s, I realized that the afterlife It had to be real, and apparently it was in that same instant that all my fears also disappeared. I didn't realize what had happened right away, but one evening, sometime in the mid-80s, I was sitting working at my desktop computer, and it got dark. Of course, back then, we still only had desktop computers, and I looked around in sort of surprise. The room was entirely pitch black, and I didn't care. Oh, my God, can you imagine how that felt? It was like discovering a whole new world. It was like having been blind for my whole life and suddenly being able to see I wasn't afraid of the dark. I had to, Actually, I had to be careful for a while. I had to learn what danger even was. I even had to learn to drive again without being afraid. And since then, I've learned that the effect is less dramatic for other people who haven't been as afraid as I was. I think that's... Perhaps because they were less fearful in the first place before they lost their fear of death. But it does seem to happen for everyone. Fear of death really is the base fear. And in fact, spiritual growth consists in raising our consciousness vibration away from fear and toward love. So this is all linked together. That's the consciousness range. Listen, think about that. The consciousness range is from fear to love. So there's really a lot going on here. And our guest today here for the 34th time to help us sort all of this out is our dear beloved friend, Dr. R. Craig Hogan. Craig, welcome. It's so lovely to have you back with us today. 
Yeah, I'm delighted to be here again. We have so much to talk about and so much we can share. And it's as though we could do this on for days if we had time. But nobody, yeah, nobody would sleep and nobody would listen. So uh, and every opportunity that we have to speak together, there are things that we need to tell people and we are able to tell them. And, and we really never do stop talking, do we? The the people around us kind of get tired of listening after a while, but we never do get tired of listening to one another. We never get tired of speaking. Yeah. It, it it really is wonderful. But I actually, it was only when I was thinking about today and, and I was thinking about this, this amazing, I remember it still today, the moment when I was looking around in the dark and I realized it had gotten dark when I wasn't paying attention and I wasn't afraid of it anymore. That was an amazing moment, Craig. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everybody goes through that in our society now because we have been raised with such primitive mythology about life and what happens to people after the body dies. And so uh, people are pretty well lost. We are technologically far advanced, but in spirituality, we're in the Stone Age. And people just have no idea. They have no clue. Some people still believe in the hell myth. And people don't believe that. uh, I think it's something like 67% in one survey of the people in America don't believe that you have a body after you leave and go on to the next life. And all of this terrible ignorance and mythology. And we, and we just are trying to help people to understand the truth. We know the truth. There's no doubt about it. And we have all the evidence and we can just show people and all we have to do is have them listen. If they just listen and, and understand it, then it will make a big difference in their life. It, it really is astonishing to me that that people are afraid. I, I, I mean, it's it's so sad to me that people are afraid so much of people's lives are wasted in fear. I get emails every day, Craig, from people who are scared and they don't know where to turn with their fears. Yeah, religions are not able to help because no. religions are based on mythology and every one of them has their own dogma and the dogma then dominates them and they're not able to help people to go inside and understand what's inside and they certainly don't have no idea about what's happening with the the meaning of life, the purpose of life, what life is like after this life, they have no idea. And we know so many things. We know so many things about the transition, about what happens during the transition, what happens immediately afterward, where people live and they go on to the next life. And all of these things are we have gotten and they're corroborated by the people who are living there. We have we have a, a, a direct line. Uh, to the residents of that land. And we're able to tell people here what it is that we know to be true from what they say to us. People think that Jesus taught about hell. He didn't teach about hell. He never mentioned hell. He talked about the outer darkness, but we know what that is, right? The outer darkness is a place that people condemn themselves to if they can't forgive themselves for something that they did during this lifetime. It's easy to avoid doing anything negative to people. But if, as long as you can forgive yourself after you die, you don't end up in the outer darkness, which is nothing but the lowest level of the afterlife. It's easy. Yeah, we judge ourselves. That's it. Uh, so when we come into the life after this life, we'll go through a life review, actually two life reviews. 
One of them is one in which we go through that pretty quickly after going to the other side. And that is the one that's not in depth. And then within a short period of time, then we go through one that's in depth where we feel all the emotions that other people feel right. when they were in the circumstances with us. All of those times when we had difficulty with other people or when we had said things to people that hurt them. And we then feel those things and we learn from them. We learn what happened. That's There is no judgment. We judge ourselves based upon what we learn. But there is no God that will throw us into hell. And people just no. have to realize that that's true. No. And Jesus told us all of that in the Gospels. I think that was the greatest day of my life when I, when I finally stopped being afraid to read the Gospels. I was so... I had read the, the, the Bible every day of my life for 40 years. I read it cover to cover. And then I, I suddenly realized that um, everything that I had read in, in um, reading all of the evidence proved to me conclusively that there is no hell, that all the things that I had learned as a Christian were not true. And I was so afraid that maybe Jesus had been wrong and I couldn't bear to have him wrong. So I just stopped reading the Bible after 40 years. And it, and for, for two years, I would, wouldn't read it. And I couldn't bear to have him be wrong, but I couldn't also bear to give up the Bible. I couldn't bear to give Jesus up. So one day I said, okay, I'm going to just one more time, I read just the Gospels. I did. And I discovered when I, it was the greatest day of my life. I picked up the Gospels. I read just the Gospels. And I discovered he had been right about so many things. Do you know, he said to the woman at the well, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who asks you for a drink, you would ask him and, and he would give you living water. And we know that the water in the afterlife is alive. He knew, he knew that too. There were so many little things in the Gospels. He said he knew about the afterlife. He knew things that you and I know from reading the afterlife evidence. He knew that stuff. Yeah. And uh, when he that did. That was what I knew that he knew yeah. what we knew. He knew. It was right. the greatest day of my life. Point. Yeah, he was very wise and he was able to tell us. And that is because of the fact that he was not just an ordinary person. He was yes. a, an emissary of the divine. Of, of, of yes. And so he was a special person. There's no doubt about that. He was not a god, uh, but he was a, certainly a special person. And he speaks to us today. He still speaks to us. And when he referred to, uh, uh, he would refer to a place outside of Jerusalem called Gehenna, the, the Valley yeah. of Sinem. And Gehenna was a place where there were continual fires. It was like a garbage dump. And in, er in earlier times, they'd actually sacrificed children there. And he would refer to Gehenna and say, say, uh, you, you can, if you uh, are, if you Israel, he was speaking to the, the nations of Israel, the 12 tribes. And he said, if you are continuing the way in which you're, you're going, then uh, you may as well be uh, in the Valley of Hinnom. And that's what he was referring to. That was mistranslated yes. as hell. Yep. And uh, the modern translations have taken that away. It no longer is translated as hell. It is the Valley of Hinnom or, or Ghana. And uh, so that, that's what he was referring to. He was not referring to a hell. And there's only one instance in which uh, there is a story about the, uh, the rich man and the poor man 
and the rich man would not allow the poor man to to eat with him and he was hungry and and so then after they both uh, went transit they transitioned to the other side and and the poor man is up there in the arms of abraham and the rich man is down in in some place that's undesirable and the uh, poor man is speaking to the rich man the rich man says please you know give me something you know because i'm i'm in torment and and uh, the lesson was the fact that, that we need to be concerned about each person as an individual. It doesn't matter about their wealth. Uh, but that was a story that we clearly was added later on because it was not yes. in the earlier versions of Mark. Yeah, and because- so we know that that is part of the mythology that the church was adding to the, what was going on. And besides that, yeah, there was this. Uh, the idea was that the the poor man was in the arms of Abraham, and that isn't part of the hell mythology, but uh, that was part of the early church mythology. And so we know that that was not a reference to hell. There is no reference to hell. In, in, in there the, is none. Uh, no, um, and and there are other things too that were added. Um, the first council of Nicaea in three twenty five. Uh, added a number of things, um, church building, Jesus didn't build a church, um, uh, uh, end times mythology, um, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Uh, yeah. uh, Petros is, is, a, is a pun in Greek, Jesus spoke Aramaic. Um, there, there's, there's a variety of stuff that the counselors added in 325. Yeah, that um, that Jesus uh, would never have been able to speak or even think of, um, and yeah. that, but that's easy to pluck out. Um, Liberating Jesus has an appendix which explains how to find all that stuff and just pluck it out. Um, G- yeah. the, uh, Thomas Jefferson, who would have known about dunghills, he was a farmer, uh, says that the words of Jesus stand out in the Bible, in the Gospels, uh, like diamonds in a dunghill. And you certainly can pluck them out just fine, the words of Jesus uh, from the Gospels. And he did his own translation, right? He, he, uh, He did his own study Bible, study in which were four versions of the Gospels in English, French, Latin, Mm -hmm. and Greek. And he didn't ever intend it to be published, but it it can be bought. It can be, it's the Jefferson Bible uh, can be bought on uh, Amazon just fine. Anyone can buy it. Um, I'm convinced Jesus never intended a religion like Christianity. Jesus intended what he called the way, which was about his teachings Nothing to do with his crucifixion, nothing to do with his uh, sacrificial uh, um, need to. He, he never he never needed to no. save us from God's wrath, which is I mean, the, the, the whole religion is insulting to God and humiliating to Jesus when you stop and think about it. How did we ever get started talking about this anyway? I mean, we (laughs) intended to talk about something else altogether. But one of the beautiful things that we can do now as a gift to Jesus is to give him what he called the way, which was the, 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 the original way before the Romans got involved. The, the earliest followers of Jesus did in fact begin to teach what Jesus had taught them. Um, which survives in the Gospels, which survives um, in Acts, and which survives actually in much of what Paul taught. The Romans, however, came along and they decided they could use 
the teachings of Jesus and the, the spectacular way that uh, Jesus died. And he did that for a very good reason. Um, we're told by the people that aren't really dead at all that what he intended to do was just quietly walk away one day and disappear. He didn't need to be crucified, but he was trying to make a very good point. And the point is what our whole purpose now, yours and mine is. Um, it was very hard for him to explain to the people. And one of the main things he came to do was to teach the people, these primitive people, uh, that they were never going to die. Of course, you're not going to die. And they said, you know, basically they were laughing at him. Of course, we're going to die because they knew what happens. I mean, you know, one, one day your body stops working and then they would lay out uh, people in these caves. And in a year, the, the bones would be all that would be left. And those bones would be put in ossuary boxes. And, uh, and then somebody else would be laid on those same shelves in those caves. And then eventually the, those bones would be put in boxes and the boxes were all labeled. That's what happens. What, of course, we all die and we're dead. No, he wanted to prove that there is no death. So he allowed himself to suffer a very public, horrible, humiliating death to make a point to all of us. And that's the point is one that we are about to make with with our um, Seek Reality Online um, website. Nobody dies. So he had a horrible public death, very, very dead. And then he um, allowed himself to be laid out in that cave. Three days later, he reanimated that body and he walked out of the cave. He rose from the dead. And he reanimated he, he the body, but it wasn't really very well animated. If you read the Gospels, you find out he had a lot of trouble with that body. He couldn't even make it very much look like himself after three days of having been dead. But he did animate that body. And he animated in such a way that the evidence remained on the shroud and on the the face cloth um, that in fact it had been reanimated. It it made um, a, a an image on the cloth. An image was was a photographic negative. And then after after a couple of days, uh, he he had to basically shed that body, and he ended up using the kind of body that if you were to see someone. Um, who, you know, appear, take a tremendous amount of energy to do that. But we do sometimes see people in a full on um, astral body. Um, and usually it happens in a kitchen, by the by. But because he was basically God on earth, he was able to use that kind of body. But today, that image remains on the Shroud of Turin, which was, in fact, the shroud that Jesus that was wrapped around Jesus when he reanimated it. And this is this is what I think is a general miracle, and this is germane to talk about today. They have discovered that that image is something which was impossible for people to understand until, you know, we had photography, late 19th century. Jesus, and this is quite a trick, he made a photographic image on that body, which we could not have known was a photographic image until the late 19th century. He made an image. Craig, this is so amazing. He made an image which we couldn't have known was evidence of his actually having reanimated that body until now. We couldn't have known it until the late 19th century. Isn't that amazing? 
Yeah, it is. And what he was doing was he was proving to his disciples and the others who had gathered that we do continue after the body ceases to, to function. And so he did appear. And, and we, we know that he appeared because of the fact that the disciples then had a sudden turnaround. They had been defeated. Yes. They felt like this was the end. It didn't work. Our, our, our Savior uh, turned out to be crucified. Now he's dead. And, and they had a sudden turnaround <laughs> immediately after that. To the point at which they became martyrs. They were willing to die yes. because they had the belief, that the knowledge that he, in fact, had appeared to them and was still very much alive. And so as a result of that, then, then they stayed in Jerusalem uh, for a, a period of time, of expecting that at just any day, maybe tomorrow, maybe Tuesday, yes. The end of the week. Yep. Gonna, yeah, right. He's going to be coming back and he was going to establish the kingdom. Uh, and by establishing that, it means that he was going to be an, an earthly man who was going to, to be in charge of. He was going to be the, the king. And they did think that, didn't they? That's yeah. what they thought. And, and, and he was going to rout the Romans and get them out of out of uh, out of their uh, their territory. And so then they were expecting that was going to happen. And the only way that they could have done that, the only way they could, they could have had that conviction and they would be willing to die then with this word on their lips was that he actually did appear to them after the yes. crucifixion and so we know that that's a true that's true we know that that's a fact we know yes. that jesus is is in fact a, a factual person and yep. we have the evidence of that as well so uh, there's so much that he was trying to tell us and then he was trying to show us about the life after this life and everybody in, in the early church got the message uh, in these little, little house churches, the ecclesias, and they have these little house churches where they would share the gospel. They would share the, but then it was, as you say, it was when uh, the Constantine and, and the Roman Empire took over the religion that it became what it is today, which is a huge, monstrous religion that uh, Jesus never would have understood. Right. It was not his intention to start a, a tremendously large, rich uh, religion that would then, then dominate the world for a period rich. of time. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and how do we know that it was not supposed to be about crucifixion, about his death? For one thing, the catacombs, the Roman catacombs are full of burials. And in all those burials, how many of them depict crucifixions or depict even crosses? None. There are no depictions of crosses in all those burials in the first 200 years after Jesus's death. They depict a lot of um, Jesus. And what does he, what's he typically doing? He has a goat around his shoulders, not even a lamb. He's carrying a goat. The, the lambs are around his feet. He's saving everybody. He's carrying everybody. The goats were the, were the ones that he, he went to save. I think that's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful image. And so the message is what's important now. And the message is something that, right. that we can we can enjoy together. We can spread together. Uh, and we need to avoid going into a building and, and mouthing words every Sunday and, and yes. not really understanding the message. What a wonderful message he had for humanity. And people still have not heard it. So the second coming of Christ will be when he's understood for the first time. What beautiful words those are. Yes, that's absolutely right. Yeah. 
What we're trying to do with Seek Reality Online is help everyone on earth come to understand that truly there is no death. There is nothing to fear. And those two tasks really go hand in hand. Just as I was so terrified as a child, there is nothing to be afraid of. That's very important, that message. Because when you stop being afraid of death, you stop being afraid of anything. And fear is what weighs us down. We come here to raise our spiritual vibration, our consciousness vibration, away from fear and toward love. When you have nothing but love for all of humankind, you will, you will no longer have to come back again. Most of us are, 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 have a consciousness vibration that is somewhere around level three. When we go back from here back to the app, what we think of as the afterlife is really real life. We enter around level three and most of us can, can manage to stay at level three. Um, that's where the big family farms are, family congregations are. Um, and that's where most of us can stay. The, when you, when you attain roughly level five, it is when we tend to be able to to no longer need to incarnate. That's a question I get a lot, by the way, Craig. I invite everyone who wants to, um, you know, has questions to email me and people do. And when they email me, um, uh, as I say, that's, that's what they, I, I, by the way, I answer, I do answer every email. It can take a week now because I get so many questions, but, uh, but that's what people often ask me. And when you get toward the top of level five, that's when you tend to be able to stop incarnating. Um, but, uh, it, it can be hard because it's hard to love everybody. I mean, you know, even your brother-in-law, that's so annoying. I mean, it's hard to love him. And it's certainly hard to love people who have wronged you in some way. But, you know, you can get past that. And a good way to get past every kind of annoyance is to get past fears. And the best way to get past fears, darn it, is to stop being afraid of things. So the, qu- the quickest, easiest way to get rid of all your fears it's just stop being afraid of death. Yeah, what people don't realize that, that our basic nature, the way that we are intended to live these lives that we're living, is with no fear, with no anger, with no animosity or separation from other people, to live our lives entirely in love, in confidence, and to enjoy every moment of being on the earth plane. If for people are unhappy or depressed or lonely, then that is an aberration. That's a malady. It's rather like they're diseased. And so they, they, that is not what we're to be. And the only thing that holds us back from living happy, contented lives full of hope and, and love for other people is our, our own mental stance, our own minds. It's the way that we regard life. It's the way that we look at other people. And if we change that, we can live together in love, peace, and joy. <laughs> yes. One of the things that um, we've been talking about, um, Craig and I, has been who most is likely to want to know about um, the fact that life goes on forever. And so we've been talking about the fact that we're both baby boomers. We are, we are actually the oldest baby boomer year, he and I. And um, 
let's talk about baby boomers, Craig. What, 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 talking about our generation. Um, now, that's not to say we're the only people who want to stop being afraid. I think that even young people, I hear from some people who are not even 20 or who are in their 20s, and they're, some of them have been afraid their whole lives for various reasons. But um, many people, many people are, you know, boomers. They, they're, they're 60s, uh, late 60s, some of them. And um, talk about, talk about the, what, what you think that, that people maybe want to hear who are in their 60s and 70s. Yeah, our generation is a unique generation because we've grown up through all of these changes that have happened in the end of the 20th century and into the 21st century. There has never been a rate of change as there has been in our lives, and we've grown up with that. So we've seen things change, and one of the things that we've seen change is communication. So now we can communicate instantly. It, it took uh, when Lincoln was assassinated, those on the West Coast didn't know about it for two days because the Pony Express had to get the word out to them. And now we actually can can we watch things happening the halfway around the world as they're happening. So we have instant communication. That's a unique ability now that we have. And what it's going to do is it's going to allow us to share. People are sharing now what they know to be true about this life and the next life. And that's going to make a tremendous difference. We're going to see a sea change. And the, the baby boomers are the, the adults now who are in a position to make that understanding, who can begin to make that transition. And they're also in a position that they can teach so we can we can teach our children and our grandchildren and we can help them to understand. So we are the, the ones who are going to be able to make the change. All we have to do is wake up. All we have to do is to understand this. And I think that the baby boomer generation is uniquely able to understand it if we can just open up our ears and open up our eyes and allow to come to us the truth that we know to be true now. And that then will revolutionize the world because we'll be able to teach the young people, we'll be able to teach our children who are now adults and have their own children. And that then we will be the, the forebearers. We will be the people who will take up this task and, and move it forward. And we just have to learn. We have to learn the truth and accept the truth. And then the truth will set us free. Indeed. I remember too, when we were young, um, we, the, the uh, Vietnam War was raging. Um, people you knew uh, in high school, um, if they didn't get into college and they had a low draft number, uh, they got drafted and some of them didn't come home. Um, it was it was a it was a scary time. It was an angry time. Uh, it was a it was a it was a time when instead of instead of getting to March and graduation, my class in college had to pick up their diplomas on a table outside the administration office. And we and it was early. We all graduated early that year because that was that was the time. I, I didn't realize how odd everything was, um, but there also was a sense that maybe nothing would ever be the same again. There also was this was the sense that maybe that was a good thing. Maybe things hadn't been uh, been right. Somehow we were going to make everything right. Our class was going to be 
and the, and the, and the younger people coming after us, we're going to make the world a better place. And, you know, now it's almost too late for us to make the world a better place. We have, we are, our people, our age, have, because we're such a huge, you know, age cohort, have changed things as we've come along. We've been the pig in the boa, remember? And we've, we've remade everything as we have come to each new age uh, event. And maybe now we can reinvent the death event to make it something positive, good, and wonderful. Maybe we can make death something that we can look forward to, that we can make positive, because it's really life. It's returning to a greater life. It's nothing negative, because that's true. We can reinvent this next stage to be what it really is, which is a return to a greater life. And then all the people who come after us can see it as positive and wonderful. Your children will not be afraid because they will know from you that it's really wonderful. I want my children to know that. I want my grandchildren to be joyous about it. I don't want anyone to cry when I die. What was her name? Um, someone wonderful um, in this field said, when, when I die, I don't want anyone to cry. I want them to re- release balloons in the sky. Because I want them to know that I have graduated because that's really what will be happening. And that's what, that's what another thing that Craig and I want. We want to be able to make it possible for the people who come after us and our families and our communities in the world to see that this is nothing to be afraid of. This is something to celebrate for ourselves and our families in the world. This is a joyous thing. I mean, that doesn't mean that we want to go early. We want to to take everything that we are supposed to take from this life for ourselves, for one another, because that's how it is. I mean, everything is to be savored in our own lives here and in our own lives at home when we go home. But there's nothing negative and there's nothing to be feared because we're past fear. That's the great thing about knowing about what really comes next. There is nothing to be feared. Everything is love and joy. God is real. And knowing that God is real is one of the glorious things that comes from finally learning the truth about all of this. There is nothing more wonderful than knowing that God is real and God loves each of us infinitely because we are all one. All of this is so beautiful. And that's what we want. All, we want each of you and we are all one being and we are all in love more glorious than we ever could possibly be individually. But that's what we want. We want to be able to have all of you know that. And we love each of you more than you can imagine. And as we work on this, it gets more and more exciting to see what's possible for each of you. I don't know what more to say to you other than that we are trying to make this the most glorious experience for you. It's like we're making the ultimate Christmas morning for you and we're kind of giggling as we do it. Yeah, what we need to have people understand is that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience and we're having it together. And it's an opportunity for us to live in love, peace, and joy together. We can do that. There's nothing that keeps us from doing that except our own minds. 
our own inclinations, our attitudes that we've learned as children. We have to abandon what we learned as children and plot a new life for ourselves. We have the ability to become the person we want to become. And once we realize that we live in love, peace, and joy together, then, then we will be able to change the world. But we have to come to the realization first. And that means being open and listening and understanding what it is that we're saying. And if you do that, then uh, everybody can, can live in the paradise. We were never thrown out of the Garden of Eden. We, That's right. We threw, ourselves, <laughs> we threw ourselves out of the Garden of Eden in ignorance, uh, our own ignorance. And as a result of that, then all we have to do is stop being ignorant. Once we <laughs> learn the truth, we will find that we've been in the Garden of Eden all the time. <laughs> That's so true. <sighs> yes. Um, but I, I think that what's important also for people to understand is that love is what it's all about. One of the things that um, I'd like you to do if you have a Bible, and I'd prefer it to be a modern translation like New International Version or something, is to open it to 1 Corinthians 13 and read just that chapter, because that was, in fact, channeled. Um, a lot of what Paul has written, you know, was was Paul's ideas. Uh, that's God's idea, that, that one chapter. And it's all about love. It's not about the kind of love you have for your children or the kind of love you have for your boyfriend. That was, that's God's love and read it because that's what it's all about. It's about nothing but love. The only thing that is in the Bible that has to do with God is what's in, it's what's about love. And that's what we had to learn more than anything else is, is just love. It's that simple, but it's also that profound. When you have learned perfectly how to love, you won't have to come back here anymore. You won't need to, because you'll have learned the only real lesson that you came here to learn is love, love and forgiveness. And there's really nothing and nothing more than that, that you need to learn. And when you know that that's how much God lo loves you, then you will understand that, of course, your life is eternal. Consciousness never ends. Consciousness is eternal. And what you feel as awareness, that sense of who you are, that's eternal. That never ends. And we will teach you that at Seek Reality Online. And um, you will learn it. And it will become natural to you. And when you learn it, you will no longer be afraid of anything. You will be comfortable with it. And then your life will be so much happier that you will say, why didn't I learn this when I was young? But that's okay, because you will never end. You'll have plenty of time to know it. And it will be second nature to you. And you'll be happier than you can possibly imagine. Craig, thank you so much for being here again today. I always love being with you. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. So again, we have come to the end of our time, my dear friends. This has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, and I'm so happy you could be with us again today. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began. You never will end. And when you really get that, boy, it changes everything for the better. Next week, our guest will be the wonderful Anne Clark, and she'll be with us for the second time. Anne is a wise and beautiful being who helps people who have chosen the toughest possible growth opportunities on earth. Her new book is amazing. It's called Healing from Great Loss, Facing Pain and Grief to Recover Your Authentic Self. 
Maybe you don't need it now, but someone you love may at some point unexpectedly or maybe expectedly need every bit of the wisdom that someone with Anne's very special gifts can teach. Please give yourself the depth and range that can come from simply listening to Anne. She is amazing. Please join us next week. And this week, we've again been spending time with our, oh, wonderful, wonderful friend, Dr. R. Craig Hogan, who's been with us for the 34th time. He's practically a fixture here, but he should be. Craig and I are deep in working with the wonderful team of experts who create Seek Reality Online. It's astonishing, really. We have many friends who know the glorious fact that human life is eternal and the transition that we think of as death is amazingly easy. But yet most of the something like almost 8 million people on Earth now are so afraid to die. Oh, my God. For most people, death is an enemy, but it shouldn't be. Now it's our task, Craig's and mine, to find ways at last to help every person on earth to become so familiar with it that they come to see death as the beautiful next stage of life that it really is. It's our joyous task to figure out a way to teach each of you, every one of you, each of you to befriend that next stage, to know it for the glorious certainty that it actually is. Life is eternal. It just can't die. You, you can't die. It's actually, believe it or not, scientifically impossible for you to die. Oh, and by the way, the Afterlife Research and Education Institute is Seek Reality's online nonprofit brother, sister, cousin. Area is headed by Craig, and he's the who is, in fact, believe it or not, he's the sole living person who is most on top of everything afterlife and greater reality. Craig is the sole living person who is most on top of everything afterlife and greater reality. And ARAI puts out a wonderful monthly newsletter. You're going to love it. Just go to afterlifeinstitute.org and sign up to learn from the man who remains my primary teacher. As you know, my own nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and very soon now, The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. That book is going to be about the way, basically the original form of Christianity that Jesus taught. And we're going to see if we can't actually give him his own form of Christianity, the one that he started. For young children, there is the fun of meeting Jesus. And there's another book for children that we may, we're going to see if we can put that one out too. You can order all these books through bookstores or on amazon.com. And the adult books are also available as audiobooks. If you want to talk about any of my books, or if you want to talk about anything at all, you can always contact me through the green contact block on robertagrimes.com. I answer every email, but it usually takes a week. I apologize. You can find past episodes of Seek Reality just about everywhere. Please enjoy. Please make the most of this coming week in our one reality, always knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being, and you in particular, most of all, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.